Welcome everyone. It is uh, hard to grasp that today is Palm Sunday. It is a most peculiar Palm Sunday, though we can and we should still celebrate our Jesus. Now one popular method of preaching a sermon is to bring a hook right up at the beginning of the message. You, you do that to draw people in, to get them engaged. Now what we're talking about today is the primary reason people still talk about Jesus. 2,000 years after he walked the face of the earth, this topic is why Jesus is still discussed. It's the hook, if you will, of Christianity. It's what draws people to our faith more than anything else. The topic of today is life after death, meaning resurrection. Specifically, Jesus calling himself out as the one who has conquered death. Ernest Becker wrote a book called The Denial of Death. And in it he says, the irony of man's condition is that the deepest need to be free of the anxiety of death and annihilation, but it is life itself which awakens it, and so we must shrink from being fully alive. I probably don't agree with Ernest Becker on a lot of things, but I do agree that the fear of death is something that sits in each and every one of us in our minds from time to time. So let's jump into John chapter 11. And we are in uh, a current series, I Am. Today's the uh, last uh, message in this series. And we are speaking to these I Am statements Jesus made in the book of John. And as we're saying each week, Jesus wants everyone to know who he is, who he says he was, and he does so without reservation, boldly, audaciously, and he gives these mind-blowing signature statements. Now, the story we're reading about today takes place one day before Palm Sunday, that day that Jesus rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. Now, the last day before Palm Sunday in Eastern Orthodox Christianity they, they is celebrated by what they call Saturday or Lazarus Saturday, which ironically is six days before Jesus would deal with his own death. And on Lazarus Saturday, Jesus is dealing with the death of a close friend. Now, without question, Lazarus Saturday sets the tone for our Palm Sunday. It had a huge effect what happened between Jesus and Lazarus had a huge effect on people's attitude towards Jesus. And you saw that as he came into Jerusalem on that donkey. Some were just praising him, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And others were plotting to kill him. And thus they set the path for Jesus to go to the cross. So John chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This is the Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, and also is the same Mary who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that, the, so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Lazarus is very sick. Seemingly, 
It's really serious because his sister sent message to Jesus for help. So what we see here is a pattern, maybe perhaps a principle of our faith, which is issues come before miracles. See, in the Bible, before we see a miracle, we almost always see a whole bunch of issues. And, and this should be encouraging for you and I because we all have issues. We have financial issues, emotional issues, health issues. Some of you think I have an issue with the baseball team I root for, right? But once they start playing, you know, it looks like it's going to be a great year for the Yankees. Don't hold that against me, huh? Now, some of you, as I know from time to time, you know, have issues with saying rude things to your pastor about the Yankees, right? Listen, if there is no issue, there is no need for a miracle. Anytime God steps in to a situation in a miraculous way, a problem exists. Now, most of the time, if I'm doing my own thing, going about it Dave's way, whether from within, huh, or without, because something difficult is going on in my life, my first step, more than not, is usually to deal with the issue in my own way, right? Meaning, and particularly, why am I doing that? Because I want to get rid of the issue. I disdain it. I despise it. It brings me despair. I want to move the issue out of my life. I want you to know that if you have an issue in your life, someone else has made a way for a miracle to happen. And you are someone who is ready for a miracle to happen in your life. Because miracles always come after issues. So this is one way that I invite you to look at your current circumstances. It's a way that perhaps you can step out of current circumstances, huh? And maybe see, rather than implode, perhaps even get a glimpse into being transformed through this. It's important for you and I to get this. Whatever your issues are, whatever your circumstances are, what Jesus says in verse 4 is a truth that you and I can deeply hold on to. This is what I've seen in my own journey with Jesus. And it's what I've seen in the lives that I've examined over the last 20 years. And it's what we see in the lives of those who've been part of Christian history. And really the history of the world. It seems to be in these experience or my experience where my mess meets God's miracle, I truly learn to trust in God. This has been one of the things that has spurred me on in my faith and in my giving my life to Christ. Some of these situations that I've been in have been very painful and difficult. Yet I, I stand here today truly, not because I'm a minister, not because I'm a pastor. I stand here today genuinely in awe at what God has done in my life. And really, in some cases, he's still doing it. I'm still tacking back and just just dwelling in thanksgiving at where I was and who I was and how I lived and really most of all the way I thought, the way I viewed life and the way I viewed other human beings, the way I thought about my future and where I stand today, a man with issues but with such a greater view of my future, with such a greater view towards other people and most of all, a greater view and understanding of the one true God. Now, I've often noticed a miracle isn't just like a spectacular moment. I mean, it can be, but, but often it's kind of, you know, a marvelous season that follows some very, very dark days. 
You know, I was text, I, you know, I, I texted someone at 3.30 a.m. when I was working on this sermon. And, you know, I was responding to that text. Truth stated, I started this conversation at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I said to them, it's virtually impossible for me not to believe in miracles because of what I've seen God do in my own life. I've lived so often from this place of thanksgiving. It's why the motto of our church, when you walk into Chair City Church and you walk into the lobby there on a 20-foot 24-foot high wall is a huge, in huge letters, it says what? The best is yet to come. Because I deeply believe that. That's been my relationship with God. Miracle after issue. Miracle after issue. Let's take a look at verse 5. John chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Now, think about what's going on here. Mary and Martha, they know Jesus. They know Jesus loves their brother, Lazarus. And then Jesus doesn't show up. And, and it's got to be puzzling because, you know, you and I know the ending here, but, but let's zoom past that, and, and, or we, we can tend to zoom past that because we know the ending. But the truth is, and, and I really want you to, to try and, and get a hold of this today, Good for me, good for you. The truth is God's ways are different. Just God does not do things the way we would. And it's one of the reasons why I did struggle with God before I came to faith. And it's one of the reasons I still struggle with God. You see, God has this great big picture and it's just so different than ours. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, and this is a book in the Old Testament. The Bible's two, really, it's one great story, but it's kind of broken into two parts. Old Testament, all that happened before Jesus was born, and then the New Testament is the birth of Jesus, the life of Christ, and the beginning of the church. But Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So depending on how you see God and depending on how you know God is, I think, how you're going to take those words in. See, those words could be comforting or those words could seem very condescending. And I don't know who I'm offending more when I say that. Believers or non-believers. You see, if you see God for an almighty, living and loving God, a God who has birthed miracles in your life, in the midst of your issues, then that, that's very comforting to you. But if you see God as some puppet maker in the sky who's very distant, unknowable, and you've not experienced him in a supernatural way in the midst of your issues then those words can seem kind of condescending. Condescending means to behave in a way that shows you think you're superior to someone else. So I just, again, I just kind of gently just put this question out there. The question is, who is superior, God or me? God or you? If it is God, 
then my hope is in his thoughts and his ways. How else could I see myself out of my issues? What greater way would there be for me to get out of my issues and my most difficult circumstances? Because I know if it's me, push come to shove, I'm going to take control. I'm going to turn around and drive this baby the way I need to, to calm my head, to get, you know, to put things in place. I'm going to find a way out of this. My hope must be in God. My hope is in God. Now, yeah, I'm going to struggle with these thoughts and these feelings. That first step out might not be to turn around and put my hope in God. But I know that's where I need to land. That's where I need to go with this. Because if I don't, then my struggle huh, will turn to bitterness. Huh? Because I might begin to think that my way is better than God's way. And I think that's where the bitterness comes in. And if I do that, then I'm kind of worshiping me more than I'm worshiping God. In the midst of our mess and our issues, huh? sad and sorrowful, perhaps much of it not your own doing, how many of us have turned from God because he didn't do what we wanted him to do? How many of us became bitter? When you do that, maybe, just maybe, you miss an almighty God who loves you and who had a miracle for you in the middle of your mess and your issues. And maybe he still has that miracle for you even today. You see, Jesus' love, it's just, it's different. When he heard Lazarus was sick, he waits two more days. God's way of loving us are, is different. His timing is different. His plans are different. You know, and, and they're thinking, and maybe even we're thinking as we read it, if you don't know the end, like, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what's happening here? Where are you? And the whole time, Mary, Martha, those who are mourning with them, those who are mourning sincerely, those who are paid to mourn because that was a Jewish culture, they're all thinking God is silent, meaning Jesus is not here. It reminds me of a poem they found on a wall in Auschwitz, uh, which was a, a German concentration camp. It says, I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Lord, your ways are higher and greater than our ways. So in verses 5 to 17, I'm going to just sum it up by saying that Jesus, right, you know, he, he's, he's going he's, he's gonna to come to help Lazarus. Lazarus. It takes, uh, he goes, you know, he doesn't change his plans. He waits two days and then he moves on to go to Judea to help Lazarus. His disciples, they don't want to go back to Judea. They have this conversation with Jesus, reminding Jesus the last time he went there, they tried to kill him, huh? And they're like trying to, you know, maybe infer, hey, Jesus, you know, when they were throwing stones at you, they were kind of, you know, coming close to us. Maybe we don't want to go there. But nonetheless, Jesus moves on and goes to Judea. Let's pick it up in John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So now in Jewish culture, that meant he was dead. No spirits were hanging around. There was no possibility of life. He was dead. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them. 
in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she, sent, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into the world. So Jesus is teaching Martha and he's teaching us here today that he is the resurrection. Jesus shows up. Lazarus is dead for four days. In Jewish culture, you know, the people would be mourning. Martha bolts out to get Jesus. Mary's hanging back. Jesus says to Martha, your brother's going to rise again. Martha's like, yeah, 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 I know. You know, as she believes, as many other Jews believe, that there'd be this kind of last day of resurrection of the dead. But then Jesus says these words that will forever change the world. These words that are still debated about today. And these words that bring comfort and bring conflict. He says in verse 25, it's where we get our I am statement for the day. He says, I am the resurrection and the life right here. This is why Jesus is the most important person who's ever lived. You might not believe in Jesus. You might love him. You might disdain him. No other person, no other figure has had an impact on this world than Jesus. And the reason why is right here, because he said, I am the resurrection. I want to encourage you today to believe in this resurrected Jesus. I, I say this because some of you who I would, you know, could call yourself followers of Jesus Christ, you perhaps attach your belief in Jesus to more of a crucified Christ. You see, Jesus is not only a crucified Savior, he is also a resurrected Savior. Savior. He lives. Be careful. And, and I, I know I'm, you know, going, you know, I'm going a little deep here, but I, I want to challenge you to pause and examine how you approach God, how you think about God, how you filter uh, information and, and experiences when it comes to God. Don't get stuck at looking back at the sins of yesterday because you could be missing out on a new life with Jesus today. Warren Wearsby, good preacher, said most people crucify themselves between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worry of tomorrow. Live as if Jesus not only has been crucified, but also that he has been resurrected. There is life in him. And, and this resurrection is not just what Jesus did or what's happened to him. It's who he is. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Jesus says to Martha, do you believe? And so I ask you the same today. Do you believe? Even now, Jesus can touch your life just like he did to those around him 2,000 years ago. Even now, Jesus can bring a supernatural healing huh? to, to you, the one he gave his life for, to you, the one his heavenly father created, to you, the one he wants to be one with. Jesus can bring peace 
into the middle of your mess, into the middle of your issues, even the one we are all dealing with right now. And I know we all have sub-issues in the midst of this one massive issue. When everything looks impossible, when things look hopeless, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ brings life where there is nothing but death and decay. Today, you can say as Martha did, yes, Lord, I believe. So in John chapter 11, verse 32 through 34, it says, when Mary reached a place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of blind men have kept this man from dying? Jesus sees the people. He knows what he's going to do. He knows the power he has. He knows how this is going to end. But still, he's deeply moved and he weeps. <laughs> he was moved by his compassion for them. Jesus had great compassion for people. Jesus, was a, he noticed people. He was affected by people. Always, always as people who profess to be Christ followers. But I'm just going to emphasize especially in our current times right now, in the midst of all this difficulty, we need to notice other people. We need to be sensitive to them. We need to have compassion for them. You see, in the midst of our difficulty, we, we don't want to come to a place of saying, I don't have any room in my heart. I have enough issues, enough problems within my own life right now. Compassion is when we make room in our hearts and allow ourselves to feel other people's pain, their sorrows, and their difficulties. We allow ourselves to be moved, moved to the point where our feelings begin to affect our behavior and we act out. And I will tell you, in living this way, when you're moving and you're being moved and you're taking action to help another, you just might take yourself out of your issue and out of your circumstance, go out, help them, bless them, come alongside them, see them differently, see you differently, see God differently, and then come back and ultimately see your circumstance and your issue differently. And therefore, we call this a transformation. Jesus is compassionate. John chapter 11, verse 38 through 44, it says, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there was a bad odor because, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen 
And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hmm. Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out. Jesus' words have power. Jesus said that you will see the glory of God. If Jesus can call the dead to life, then Jesus is the one that we would want to follow. How many in here today have had or have a sense that Jesus is calling them? And, and maybe you can't articulate it that way. I, I didn't. I, I knew that there was something happening in me when I was, you know, the lad, in my latter 20s. And the reason why is from time to time I would think about God. And it just simply didn't make sense in my context. In some of the most kind of perverse or depraved or peculiar situations, this God thing would be popping into my head. And sometimes I'd wrestle with it. Sometimes I'd get better. Sometimes I'd let it settle in and I'd get, give some deep, normal thoughts. Either way, I finally realized, what is it? Why is this dogging me? And what it was is Jesus was calling me. And he had been calling me for some time. He was calling me to follow him a resurrected Savior. Maybe you've been going through that for a long time. I, I know I lived a peculiar life, but I would still think that I'm not a, you know, an anomaly, that many people have these same struggles and this same path and coming to be aware of God and in need of God and that God is there. We have things in our life. I had things in my life. I still do that we need God to resurrect. And God wants to do that today. God wants to breathe life into your being. God wants to breathe newness into your life. Trust in God today. Turn to God today. Jesus is calling to life that which is dead in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children. Jesus is calling, Jesus is breathing life into these areas of our life. Where there is an issue, there is a potential for a miracle, a resurrection, because Jesus is the resurrection and he is the life and we believe in him and he will never die. We will never die, but we will have everlasting life. What all this means is when Jesus walks into your life, when he walks into any circumstance or any situation, Jesus brings life. So Thomas asked Jesus a question. And maybe you have a question for God today. Maybe you came in here today and, you know, you, you were kind of fuzzy with God. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus, you don't get this God thing. Maybe you're kicking it around. But, but maybe you have a question for God today, like Thomas had a question for God. Maybe you're saying, hey, God, if you're real, show me. Show me you're real. I would have those conversations, you know, like, like show me in a way that I can understand, that I can get. Because sometimes I can't get it when, you know, people are preaching me or talking to me about, about this Jesus and I open up the Bible and it's like, doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense. But, but God, can you speak to me? Can you reveal yourself to me in a way that I can get, that I can understand? Do you know what? I, I Really, I deeply believe that if you have that conversation, that God will reveal himself to you. 
like he did to me, huh? that God will show up in a way that you can embrace, that you can own, that you can now be aware of his presence. And that's a beautiful, beautiful moment that will enable you to put aside the distractions. And that's what you could be going through right now. That as things have slowed down and distractions are lessening and, and you're out of that default mode, huh? And everything around you is being questioned, ambitions, future. Maybe now you're kind of hearing God's voice. It's more prevalent. It's always been there, but now it's kind of just coming to the forefront. God calling you to him. God will reveal yourself to him. I do believe if you're hearing these words, that he is revealing himself to you even right now in this moment. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? If you're here today and you have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you can come to Jesus just as you are. Believe in Jesus, that he is the resurrection. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. What does that mean? Mean, you know, as you've been living your life, trying to move it forward in your way, and, and sometimes that can be admirable, considering all that we've got to battle through. But nonetheless, in doing it your way, you, you miss God's mark. You missed his target. And now you forgive, you ask God to forgive you of your sins, and you know that God forgives you and he accepts you. Know that as you're doing this, even those things that were dead or decaying, that now they can begin to come to life. Now you've begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've come to this place of trusting in Jesus Christ, of believing that he is the resurrection, at the end of my message, you'll see a link. It's right underneath the video. You can open up that link and you'll scroll down and you'll go to uh, an area that says, I'm ready to take the next step. Complete that form. It's simple. It's quick, meaningful. Just pop a button, send it into us. We will very quickly get you out a package. Uh, it has a unique Bible for those people who've made a decision like you. It's got some other literature and information to kind of get you going and give you traction. We also will be praying for you praying with you, and we can't wait to worship together with you, our risen Savior. In this time of crisis, know where there are issues, there will be miracles, because God is with us. Where there is decay and things in our life are dying or kind of being taken from us, know because of the resurrection there will be life. Where there is loss of life and great sorrow, know Jesus is a compassionate God he notices, and please know that God has a plan and God has a purpose in all of this. You're all in my prayers. I care for you deeply. To God be the glory.